1: Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks.
0: Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend, Blake Johnson of manifestfit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 94th episode of Real Hawk Talk. Uh, I am Brian Nemhauser, at logger on Twitter, and quarantined in my house, as are, I think, pretty much all of you. Uh, I'm joined right now by uh, compatriots across the globe. Uh, We've got at Evan in Sea, uh, he is actually down in Arizona, but
0: uh, he's joining us. How's it? How's it going, Evan? Good. I just retrofitted my patio from a drinking and relaxation space into a workout place. So I am actually on day fourteen, deciding to get my shit together. So everybody, clap for me. That's what I'm asking. Oh, that's <laughs> that's
1: great and appropriately, I'm giving you a golf clap because. Arizona has deemed golf to be an essential service and it is open. And, uh, I've never considered moving to Arizona more than I I have right now.
0: Golf is absolutely an essential activity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially for those over 80. Um, so, (laughs) uh, Jeff, uh, at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Uh, are you joining us
2: from Toronto or are you in Florida? Where are you, dude? No, I'm, I'm still in Canada. I'm in Toronto. Like you, I wish I could be in Arizona right now. Um, today was our first nice day in a while. Uh, Today's like the first day we've seen sun in a bit, so it was nice to get out and go for a walk. I wish I could golf right now. I definitely am jealous of anyone who can, but it's nice to see some sun again and be able to go out for a walk and get out of the house a little bit. It's-
0: <laughs> this puts things in perspective because I was complaining to Alex yesterday. It was like 70 and sunny, and I was like, this weather sucks. I'm <laughs> like, this is horrible. Oh, man. So this, this, this is giving me gratitude. <laughs>
2: yeah, we've, we've had a lot of Seattle weather here lately, so it's been rainy and gloomy. and We got some sun today, so that was nice.
1: Good to hear. Dude, and check out Nathan... Ernst, at E 11 <laughs> He is making the most of quarantine. Uh, Evan, in particular, is enjoying this.
0: What the <laughs> hell happened? What's going on,
3: dude? Uh, Whoa. Man, you should have seen me like a week ago before I actually kept, cut off the top, too. Uh, I was just letting it all go, and then I, I did whatever this is. Um, dirtbag quarantine. I'm awesome. taking advantage of the time.
1: Is so. this... I- cam weans on on the chat uh wants to know if this is at all tiger king related
3: it is not no uh i did this before tiger king came out so technically he copied me
0: and nathan you're kind of looking like andy Reid right now
3: Mm, i don't like Uh, that so much
0: (laughs) i think not not in uh width more in Facial similarities. I
1: don't think so. I'm getting more Uh, like, you know, those guys on the the motorcycle, uh, you know, trick my whatever ride.
3: Who's the diabetes guy? Yeah. (laughs) I think that's might be most what I'm like. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Um, And Evan, you know, you look like you've maybe got some peach fuzz back on the face. How's that? How's that going for you?
0: Thank God. It's actually growing back fairly quickly. So, um, it's, I'm thankful for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I have, I've definitely heard, uh, that one of quarantine's great joys is going to be finding out how people handle haircuts and shaving and things of that nature. Uh, so, um, yeah, this, this could be interesting. Uh, for those of us who just cut their own hair all the time, it's not too much of a problem, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh. Hey, so there has been uh, a bunch that has gone on. I think all of us were trying to wait, trying to wait until the move was made that we're all waiting to be made. But it doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon. And that's the signing of Jadavian Clowney. Uh, He remains what I think we've all qualified as the team's top priority, one of the top free agents on some list, the top free agent on the market, and yet unsigned and and unclear what's going to happen with him. Um, before we get into the, the moves that the team has made, uh, let's talk a little bit about the status of Jadeveon Clowney. Uh, Nathan, you know, based on your facial hair, I am most interested in hearing your point of view on both, what do you think is happening with Jadevian Clowney and, when do you expect resolution?
3: I really have no idea. I mean, I think what's going on with him. um, I mean, I think it seems pretty clear that the bottom fell out of his market. Um, He either thought he was going to get way more than he really was, or the offers just weren't there. Sounds like probably a combination of both. Um, I I feel like that it's gone on this long. it, It, could be something that just goes and goes and goes like there's really no i don't know what the forcing function is for something to get done um so you know from clowny's perspective like what difference does it make if he signs today or if he signs a month from now like what is going to be gone that's that's not that's not there today right uh, so i don't know i think it could go for a while at this point
1: Well, Evan, I'm coming to you next because the thing that's going to be gone is cap space, right? I mean, eventually teams will sign and they will not want to use their cap space or they will not have the cap space to spend. You know, if Clowney's wanting the biggest possible value, seems that he's going to have dwindling options. The other thing is going to change is teams that are looking for defensive ends, like they may solve them in that that need in other ways and not want to spend uh, more to bring them in. So what's, you know, what's your point of view on, I mean, how many, how many teams do you think realistically could be looking at, at Clowney?
0: Um, I think at this point, probably a few, but a lot of people, and I've been pretty vocal about this on Twitter. A lot of people will disagree with me, but I passionately believe that, From Clowney's perspective in terms of trying to maximize, you know, his income as as much as possible, I truly believe waiting in this unique situation is a really, really bad idea. And I'll give you two reasons. Number one, uh, teams just every single year, every single NFL offseason, from a financial perspective, they budget these first couple months as a high um, cash flow out sort of, you know, season where they're basically paying big signing bonuses to players um owners know that they're going to be dishing out cash during this time like you said cap space does decrease every day that passes teams have less cap space yes they can always open up additional cap space that's never an issue but like you said the draft is coming up soon also and teams will be potentially addressing their pass rusher or run stuffer needs in the draft instead of paying a big high price player like like clowny um but i think the real Reason it's a mistake in wait, in waiting from Clowney's, uh, you know, position is honestly this whole COVID nineteen situation. There's a lot of speculation that we're not going to see a full NFL season, um, and if we if there's not a if there's not a football season this year, who knows what is happening to player salaries? Um, I, 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 I think we're in a really uncertain like time right now economically. And as it relates to sports, you know, we could have half a season, we could have a few games, we could have a full season, who knows, but I I think there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now. And if I was clowny, I'd be looking to sign a reasonable deal as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, Jeff, I mean, what's the word you're hearing, you know, uh, around the league um, in terms of what do people think his strategy is and where do they think he's going to ultimately sign?
2: The big thing that we've probably talked about this on Twitter and the big thing with him right now is the physical and doctors have told the NFL, they were no longer doing physicals right now because all their doctors resources want to go towards COVID. So Clowney based on the fact that he just came off core surgery and he's had the microfracture surgery, him not being able to do a physical really hurts him specifically. And you're seeing it as well with Cam Newton. It's the same problem he's having and why no one wanted to trade for him so that really is where teams are kind of up in the air being like, what is he going to do next? Because Bob mentioned in his article, Bob Condota, that he could wait until training camp. And Evan just mentioned the risks of that. And around the league, everyone's kind of wondering the next kind of pain point for him is people are waiting to see if he fires his agent or not. Because that's usually what happens in this scenario where Clowny's pissed he didn't get the money he wanted. Maybe he didn't get marketed right. So if he fires his agent, things could change very quickly. So teams are kind of waiting for that because if you look at pain points, that's usually what draws a big, like a big move financially. The draft is usually the big pain point, but this year's draft is pretty weak at defensive end. So in a usual scenario, like say a team really wants to draft a high, and they went before him, then you might turn to Clowney and say, "Okay, we didn't get our guy in the draft. Let's go with Clowney." But this year, there's really only one top end pass rusher, and it's a pretty bad draft in terms of that spot. So. I think him waiting for the draft is kind of weak there. So if you look around the league and still has cap space, there's not a lot of teams that really he fits with. And that's where everyone's kind of up in arms being like, people have mentioned the Titans. Some thought the Colts could jump back in, but they've moved elsewhere. And they they signed, I think, like Xavier Rhodes. They have a bunch of their cap space. So everyone's kind of just waiting for the Seahawks right now. But unless he kind of changes his – MO of what he's looking for, it doesn't seem like that $20 million offer will ever come.
0: And I just want to follow up on one point Jeff made. He was, he's, Jeff is 100% on the money about other doctors not being able to get like accurate, up to date medical data on Clowney. The one major competitive advantage that the Seahawks have is they have, so every NFL player at the end of the season takes a physical with their team. So the Seahawks, you know, of course, have super up-to-date, accurate medical info on Clowney, but also, you know, a physical as of what was it, th- two and a half, three months ago. So that's a competitive edge that they have.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that physical came before or after his surgery, though, and I think that's that's a pretty key issue. I mean, do we know when he got surgery? I don't. I mean, if someone wants to it look, definitely it up,
2: after at the end of the end of the year.
1: Yeah, got yeah, it. And and. I mean, sports hernia surgery generally is not the biggest deal, but there's, there's lists of people that have not been the same athletes that have not been the same after that surgery. And I mean, we saw how it affected him. Think about Marshawn Lynch, uh, also had that surgery, um, and had that issue. And was it that that really affected who he was as a running back afterwards or his age? Hard to say, but he certainly wasn't the same player. He hasn't been the same player since that season. So, um, you know, it, it's a lateral agility and strength. It's a core issue. Um, you know, if I'm going to sign a player to a multi-year, 20 million plus dollar a year deal, I'm probably going to want to know <laughs> that that there's a reason, especially when that player is coming off a season where whether advanced stats care or not three sacks is three sacks. Um, and, and that's not generally the production that the teams are looking for when they're paying that much. So, um, let's play this out for a second. Let's, let's play the the game where the Seahawks do sign Clowney um, to start with, what do we think would be the forcing function for them to do that? Is it going to be, after the draft finding out who they end up with is it going to be training camp when like he finally is ready it's gonna be like middle of training camp because he's gonna want to skip most of training camp like what will be the the thing that will maybe maybe it'll be when uh, quarantines lift and doctors can give him physicals? like what's your take Nathan do you have a point of view on like when you think it could resolve itself
3: no, I mean, like I said, I think – I don't know what that forcing function is. I mean, maybe the draft and some other stuff is more of a fun, forcing function for Clowney. But, you know, for Seattle, there's there's no reason for them to rush this, right? I mean, obviously anybody could have swooped in and snagged him by now if they wanted to. So it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's uncertainty with what's going to happen this season. There's uncertainty with his surgery, um, yeah, there's no reason for them to shell out a bunch of money, cave, but against themselves like that. I think that they just let this go. I think it's Clowny who finally has to come to the table.
1: Yeah. Either of you, you know, Evan, Jeff, I mean, maybe there's a forcing function outside of Seattle. Uh, you know, what, is there something that you think is going to drive this deal to happen? Deadlines usually do it. Anything else that you can think of that's going to make, you know, make this happen?
0: Uh, the lame answer is no. If he's waited this long, uh, I like Jeff said. I don't think I don't think the ed, or the draft is a big marker for his position specifically. Um, this is a game of who blinks first right now. And go ahead, finish your thought. Didn't mean to interrupt. And I, I and I just think when it comes to these two sides specifically, I think the Seahawks can be pretty stubborn about how much they want to slot you know a specific player for in their budget. I I don't think I don't think the Seahawks are going to blink on this.
1: Well, Jeff, I want to ask you. So here's here's yeah. one thought and this is how the Seahawks force this to be a, a, an issue, right? If you're the Seahawks, you Nathan said, "Hey, maybe there's nothing that would force them to do this." Well, if you're the Seahawks, do you want to wait until the middle of training camp to know who your starting defensive end is going to be? I don't think so. So let's say that they set a deadline of like either we're gonna maybe everson griffin maybe yannick or uh judon or someone else you know is available for trade chris jones whoever it would be and they're like either we're gonna spend the money on in the here or we're gonna spend the money on you we need to know now yes or no do you think that like i'm assuming you're gonna think that that is a possibility um, when from a Seahawks perspective, are you willing to, to like when are you no longer willing to
2: wait to have the answer of who your starting defensive end is? Probably the beginning of training camp. I was gonna, just on your previous question, I probably would have said like maybe the signing of Everson Griffin is what causes someone to move because unfortunately the Seahawks really painted themselves in a corner here. And we went into this market thinking like this free agent class was loaded with edge rushers. They've only added Bruce Irvin. If Clowney doesn't sign and the draft goes by and the other guys are franchised and they're locked up already, they there's no one left. So at some point, the Seahawks kind of – I know they're stubborn, but they've, they've really played a dangerous game here because if he gets an offer somewhere and they're left – say they go all the way into training camp but they're left with nothing, that means you got to start Rasheem Green or LJ Collier along with Bruce Irvin, and that is scary. And that's probably my biggest criticism of their whole offseason so far is they've really painted themselves in a corner where you either have to budge on Clowney or you lose him based on a stubborn price point. And then what happens?
1: I think, I think we all agree on from what we understand. I think we'd all agree. That's the, that seems right. Like that like we all wanted to see early movement on the, the edge rush uh, or defensive line as a priority. That has not been what the Seahawks have done. And so there's really only two possibilities. Either one, they've made a huge strategic error or a huge strategic risk uh, of a plan. Or B, they actually know something that we don't of like, they've got a very solid plan for plan B and when, they, when they're going to be able to, and they feel very comfortable with it. And they're, 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 they feel like they're, they've got a good poker hand and they're willing to play it out. That's a possibility. Maybe they know exactly what it would take to get one of these franchised edge rushers and what it would cost. And they know if by this date, we don't have a clowny, we're just going to make that deal.
0: That's fine. And I agree with that. But my biggest concern is that clowny walks over a freaking $3 million difference per year. I, my, my concern is if they're not, if they, if they end up trading major draft capital, instead of spending a couple extra milli per year to get Clowney locked in long-term to me, that's a big strategic mistake. Like that, if, 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 if plan B is trade a first round pick straight up for Yannick or Yannick or whatever his name is, that's not, that's not a good plan.
1: Well, let me ask you guys this. I know that people want to talk about the moves they did make, but if this is such a big deal, I mean, it is the biggest open question for sure on this team right now. Um, the Seahawks last year had major questions on their defensive line at this time. They did not have Jadavian Clowney, whether we like it or not. They did not have Ziggy Ansa. Like they, they had moves that they were left that were left to be made from their perspective. Ansa was after the draft. Clowney was during, was that during training camp? It like, was last week. Right. Like, so um, I want to know from each of you, Last year, they traded for a franchised player who had not signed the franchise tender yet after it became, after the deadline where they could no longer negotiate a long-term deal with that player and they agreed to not franchise the player. And so what that meant was that what they had to give up to get him was very little, right? Like it was was the talk of everyone. It was a huge steal. First question on that. Would you do that same trade again? If it, if, if it came up last year, do you think that was the right move? Would you do it again for Clowney last year? And, and Evan, I'm going to start with you. Yes or no? Would you do that
0: trade again? Absolutely. If we're just – are you, are, you, are you implying that he leaves in free agency this year? I'm knowing saying, that for what hindsight- we
1: know right now, Yeah. would you make that trade knowing, you know, you yeah. weren't guaranteed to get this player back, you have no control –
0: yeah, yeah, I would. I think thing. I think a third-round pick is mostly a total shot in the dark. And, you know, who else did we give up? Freaking uh, Mingo. Jacob Martin, and, Martin pick, and Mingo. Martin was the one that you, you kind of miss and I think had some upside. But absolutely, i do that trade in hindsight. Jeff or Nathan?
3: I think it's close, like, for me. Uh, I mean, and Martin is the bigger thing. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, a third-round pick, and I mean, let's say a solid rotational pass rusher like Martin, who's young and, and cheap, uh, for one year of Clowney, uh, it's probably right about break-even. I think. Yeah, Jeff.
2: I think I'm comfortable doing that trade. I I think it's kind of funny that the franchise tag might be more than Clowney actually gets in free agency. So he might have he might have made a big mistake there, because if he gets a what was the franchise 18 19 million
0: yeah defensive iron
2: so no but to answer your question yeah it sucks to give up a jacob martin when they have no young controllable pass rushers right now but i i like that swing for the fence move i think it was worth the risk and if Clowney was healthy if, and when you if Clowney didn't get injured down the stretch we might have a very different conversation right now
1: so here's the reason i'm asking um and let me let me uh make sure one thing's clear because it's come up in chat they're like hey we got a third round pick next year if Clowney doesn't sign no we don't <laughs> no we don't so the way this, a lot of people were making this point last uh in twitter last year when this or earlier this year when the, the no no was last year when the trade was made uh, i think ben baldwin was one of the the chief guys that was like hey don't assume you're getting a third round pick that's false um compensatory picks only happen if you do not sign enough players to offset the players you lost, and it matters how much that player signs for. So two things are working against the Seahawks right now. One, Clowney may not sign for enough to qualify, even if he does sign, and the Seahawks had signed nobody else. It may not have been third round pick money the way things are going. Maybe, but don't don't know for sure. And the other is the Seahawks have signed enough free agents. It does not appear that they're in in line for maybe any compensatory picks at this. Oh, point. They got so so um, that's just something to be aware of. But getting back to the last question. So two of the three of you said you would do that trade again. I will say I would do that trade again. Uh, Nathan, you said it was break even, you know, hedging a little bit, not not sure one way or another. So here's the, here's the harder question. Would you do it again? Now, would you make that trade? For Yannick, for Judon, for Chris Jones, again, qualifications, franchise player. You cannot, let's say it's past a deadline where you can't negotiate a long-term deal with this player. Part of the deal is you agree you're not going to franchise them. So you have no control past this year.
0: For the same compensation,
1: same compensation equivalent. Would you make that deal again this year?
0: so can we let's pick the two players then that we that we ship from our d-line who are, who are we shipping green. rasheem green Green and-, and it would be some
1: guy that's nobody that would you know no value at all
0: ebk <laughs> no
1: he has value McDougal. I would say, yeah you know uh yeah. tedrick thompson you know <laughs> okay i like, got it like that's that's really what we're talking
3: about okay For like Yannick or Chris Jones? Yes, for Chris Jones in a heartbeat. For Yannick, probably. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. What's you? He- I think I, I think- I,
0: but Nathan, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, how are you so willing to do that now? But not the clown? But but it, when you consider Clowney to be better than both of those players?
3: No, no,
1: no. really, clowning not, not close. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. I mean, better.
3: Yeah, Chris Jones is. Definitely better. Yannick is probably better or at least as good. He's a better
1: pass rusher.
3: For sure. Yeah. I don't
1: think he's a better player. Sh-
3: yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, but so I think the clowning thing went about as poorly as it probably could have, right? In terms of getting hurt and not getting paid a lot at the end, maybe, and maybe they don't even get a comp pick no matter what he would what he makes either way. And I still think that you're probably right about break even with him, so i I think if you can make break even like fairly low cost trades for franchise type players, then sure, I mean, you can keep keep taking your swings at that.
2: This is my problem with what they're doing they they They've painted themselves in this scenario where they have like back and forth ideas in terms of t- team building, and now they're in this situation where. They have no long-term plan on their D-line. And they can, we can keep asking this question every year. Like last year, we all loved the Frank Clark trade. We all thought, but a year later, you're going to get Collier with and a second-round pick for Clark. Like, it's just it just seems like they have no strategy. And that's
3: what's pro- concerning. I don't love that it's framed that way that they got Collier and a second-round pick out of the, the <laughs> card trade. I mean, because that is, that, is, that is like literally what they got, right? If you look at the picks that they got and that is what they turned it into. But I don't know if you see them do all of the Fair trading. Backs. Yeah. Fair.
2: No, no, but I just With mean like last price. year, okay. they made a smart analytical decision. They moved on from Clark. They maximized his value. Now they're in a situation where they have to trade for a guy they got to pay twenty one million to, there's just no consistency in what they're doing. I I can't see what their plan is. That's I, what I'm I, I know, I know that's been a point of view in, in
1: the chat for us for a while. I, I guess I see it a little differently. I mean, I, I very much understand what you're saying, which is hey, if you've got a philosophy of how you're gonna approach your roster building and personnel, then it should be consistent. You have principles, and those principles don't vary season to season, player to player. I get that. But I guess what I see, and this may not not be right, but the way I see it, I would do this Frank Clark trade again. Even though Frank played well last year, Mm -hmm. I personally had real questions about whether he was going to be the same player after he got paid as he was before. And we might might not know. The first season after you get paid, maybe he's proven himself. Maybe he tails off. It looks like that's not going to be a problem. It looks like that's going to end up being a player that it's, reasonable to pay him 20 million dollars a year or whatever he ended up getting um but i think that's for me what is different like i wouldn't have questions about paying uh yannick or pay, paying uh chris jones um that kind of money and 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 so to me it's it's a player-based decision but but yeah i i get what you're saying um it, it's hard to know for sure so, um, I guess the point there, guys, is most of us, close to all of us, would do the clowny trade again. We may be in the position of doing the clowny trade again um, this season. And uh, the question is whether they did enough else on the defensive line because it's not complete yet. And, uh, you know, they don't even have an Al Woods level addition to the defensive tackle spot yet. Like th- there's other players other than Clowney that they haven't solved for. Um, and right now they don't have a five tech, you know, they don't have either defensive end solved for. Um, and so Clowney's one, I think they need Clowney. I think they need who would be the five tech. I think they need a Leo. I don't think they have anybody who's a, a, a starting quality Leo on that team. And then I think they need a three tech pass rusher you know um on third downs like that's been like the michael bennett kind of role in the past Uh, michael bennett happens to still be out there but point being they've got three of the four defensive line pass rushing roles unfilled unfilled uh that's a big issue it's a big issue um evan uh one question before we move on to the moves that they have made Um, Especially, we'll talk Quentin Dunbar next. Um, You've been doing some looking at the Seahawks salary cap, and like, what is their current situation? Is it is it possible? Let me just start this way: Is it possible for the Seahawks to sign Clowney and trade and sign, you know, a guy like Chris Jones or a guy like Yannick? Like, um, is that is that possible?
0: Yes. It would take about 45 seconds of cap preparation. They have $9.4 million in true cap space as of like this second after all RFA tenders, all recent signings, Brandon Shell, Bruce Irvin, Cedric, uh, Greg Olson, Jaron Reed extension. After all of that, as they sit right now and budgeting for every miscellaneous cap item in the goddamn world, they sit at $9.4 million in true cap space. Uh, they could easily open up another. 10 to 14 mil with just cutting bad players. Like remind and, and, me if
1: sorry to interrupt. Remind me if true cap space does that account for draft picks? So
0: yes. So already we,
1: removing that part.
0: So true cap space accounts for IR, practice squad, uh injury settlements, and all current draft slots that the Seahawks have.
1: Okay. So this is really the when you say true cap space, that is the amount that they have to spend on free agents. Yes. And that's without cutting any players, as you just said. So they Correct. they could they could they could clear up a bunch uh, of space to to add more easily. Okay. And and people have been asking as well, why haven't they cut Britt yet? Why haven't they cut Ed Dixon yet? And the fact is, they've got nine and a half million dollars in true cap space, so they don't have a need to do that yet.
0: There's one other reason. It's a small detail in the NFL CBA. So if a player's cut after May 1st, they get an extra year of the NFL's premium health insurance without paying a dime. The Seahawks have done this before. They did it with Doug Baldwin, this like Richard Sherman, like this is actually, I don't know about Richard Sherman, but I know Doug Baldwin for sure. Um, So May 1st is kind of like a hinge date in the CBA for uh, healthcare reasons.
1: Good addition. Um, so let's, um, let's move on to some questions that team has made. Uh, first question on Quentin Dunbar for this group. And this is a participatory raise your hand set of questions. First question, raise your hand if you had heard the name Quentin Dunbar before the news broke. Okay, keep your hands raised if you had uh, known that Quentin Dunbar might be available. Okay. Raise your hands if any of you had thought of Quentin Dunbar as a target for the team. Okay, for people that are listening, uh, Jeff and Evan had heard of Quentin Dunbar before this <laughs> trade. I'll admit it, I had not. I had not, I probably watched a total of six minutes of, of Redskins football in the past. Two or three seasons i i hate watching that team play i find it incredibly boring um and so no i didn't know and nobody on this panel raised their hands as yeah that was a guy i was thinking might be a good fit for the seahawks and yet here we are fellas the seahawks made a trade a fifth round draft pick for quentin dunbar who depends on how you feel about pff but it's better to be ranked high than it is to be ranked low and he was the number two cornerback from a ranking perspective in the NFL, according to PFF last season, behind only Richard Sherman, who he's been getting a lot of comparisons to. So let's go round Robin here. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. What was your reaction to the Quentin Dunbar trade?
2: Um, of all the moves that they've made this offseason, this was by far the one I was most excited and optimistic about. I haven't loved their offseason in general. This move definitely was one the only move they've really made that really excited me. I was listening to a friend of our show, Mina Kimes's podcast, like early March, late February. And they were talking about Quentin Dunbar, like a guy that had like low pro and amazing season. He was the only good thing. So I, I just assumed the Seahawks were going to go with a young corner in the draft and may, maybe sign a veteran nickel guy. And before free agency came out, I think they were linked to a couple of veteran nickel guys. I think TJ Carey and Randall. So I didn't, I never thought for a second that they were going to really make a move there and, the fact that they were able to get him at that price kind of blew. It was the closest thing to the, the Diggs trade. But to me, moving – I said it all year when you listen to our show that I thought Trey Flowers was better suited to be the fourth cornerback. They had a hole at that spot last year. And the fact that they can make potentially that spot into one of the strengths of their defense, that's that's as good as a move as they could have made in the free agent market.
1: Uh. Evans is the other person that had heard of Quentin Dunbar. What was, your, what was your reaction when you heard the news?
0: When I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is exciting. He's a good player. But at what cost? I was really worried that they were going to give up something like a <laughs> round pick or a third round pick, which I felt like would have been pretty steep considering you know, the, the value for recent defensive trades. And they ended up giving up a fifth round pick, which is essentially nothing uh, for a player of his caliber, you know, he comes in and has like a three mil cap hit for the Seahawks this year. He's 27 years old. Um, like you said, ranked number two of all FF corners last year, um, had a down year in 2018, but had a pretty good year in 2017. So, um, he's not going to be like a, you know, eight, nine year starter for this team, of course not, but Hey, you know, if you can got, you can get this guy to play, you know, as an above average corner for the next four to five years, that's, That's freaking awesome. I I think uh, Trey Flowers was a major liability last year, even though I'm a major fan of his. Um, It's really, really encouraging that they made this move at such a great value. So I'm completely pro this move.
1: Nathan, how do you feel about Mr. Dunbar and the trade? Uh,
3: Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, anytime that you can trade for a starting caliber cornerback for a fifth-round pick, I mean – and he's still got a year that he's cheap. I mean, we'll see if they can, if they end up paying him and they get more than one year out of this. But I think even just one year, if he can beat out Trey and start and be a good player for them for a fifth round pick, I think that's at least break even for them. So it's probably a plus. So it's a good deal. Um. Uh,
1: so <laughs> um, I'm curious. How do you guys think? So I'll offer that um, when I heard the trade, my first thing to do was to look up Quinton Dunbar, as I'm sure a lot of Seahawks fans were doing. And I liked what I saw. I mean, I liked what I saw from a size perspective. I watched it. I watched him play as many snaps as I could find of him playing, and um, I liked what I saw there. One of the things I like best is he seems very instinctive and smart. Like he, I saw him jump some routes and and see where the ball was going to go, and I think. If there's a weakness, like the major weakness I would call out for the Seahawks' corners, including Shaquille, by the way, it is identifying routes and and playing aggressive and assertive um, to the ball. I think there's a lot of reactionary play with the, the Seahawks' corners, and that's been my biggest criticism of Trey is he actually showed some promise and some progress with that late last year in the first Philadelphia game, I, I remember couple other games where he was actually breaking on the ball um but for the most part i think that secondary that especially the corners is just even late um and so i saw a lot from dunbar of him beating receivers to the ball um which was just nice to see i think he had three interceptions in 11 games last year maybe it was four something like that so um you know obviously would have would have led the the seahawks corners in that in that number um what is your expected outcome like going into the training camp what is the secondary you expect to roll out there as the starters and let's let's talk about it with assume a nickel like assume we're going to get away from base defense and we're going to have a nickel corner a little bit more tell me the three cornerbacks what positions they're playing tell me the two safeties um nathan let's start with you
3: the Nickelback? You want me to tell you the Nickelback? All three corners, both safeties. I have no clue who their Nickelback is. Uh, Ugo, I guess. Um, As it
1: stands now.
3: Sure, Ugo, I suppose. Um, and then uh, probably Quill and Dunbar. And then um, McDougal and Diggs. Okay. Does anyone have a
1: different quintet than those five?
0: Nope. I could see Blair starting over B Mac this year.
1: I think it's nice. possible. Would be nice. Seems. Not
0: not at the beginning of the year, but I could see it happening midway through.
3: Is that like a prediction, though? I mean, I can see it too, but <laughs> yeah. Come on, is Evan. It,
0: is it for game one? Is that is that is that what we're asking? Evan, here? come on, dude, make a call. Okay, it's Blair. Blair's taking the spot. There you okay. go
1: hey i want to thank cam weans for the contribution and super chat uh he is on
3: plenty of razors uh nathan get a razor that's how i got (laughs) in this problem in the first place uh
1: i will give you one alternative um that we didn't mention and i'd say i'd say the odds are exactly what you said nathan that 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 would be the 70 to 80 percent likelihood maybe i'll say like I'll say it's about a 60% likelihood that that's the case. I'd say there's about a 20% chance that you slop, swap in Blair for McDougald. Um, And then I'd say there's a tw- another 20% chance that they're going to try Shaquille inside and Flowers and Dunbar outside. Um, and that that's something that could happen. And it does not mean that they'd stay in that that all the time, it could be Dunbar and Quill, or you're starting outside, but when they go to nickel, they may try Quill inside. That's a possibility. Um, like it or not, I think that that's, that's a possibility. Do you guys disagree that it's even possible or do you just hate the idea?
0: I it's hate possible. the idea. <laughs> I hate the idea. How much do they have to hate Ugo Omadi to not give him reps? Wasn't Pete Carroll like hyping him up? Like, Four weeks into the season, he was like, "Oh, we've liked what we've seen from Ugo, and he's going to get more opportunities." And it never really happened. What? Why does? Why does God hate Ugo Amadi? That's my question.
1: It's a very important question. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jeff and and Nathan
2: tackle tackle it. Like I can see the logic of that, but I worry about when you have to play those little quick Julian Edelman type receivers, and I saw that. In that Bob Condota Dunbar article, they said like he covering that little fast guy is a horrible scenario. So maybe if you have a, a big tight end or a big slot, that's a scenario they can run with. But if you're playing those quick inside receivers that is all over the league right now, I think you need a guy like Ugo whose speed is important or draft a guy because I think those guys, those three big corners that are, their length is so good and they're I don't know if they can handle that quick inside receiver with that group. Yeah.
1: I, I'm I, sorry, Nathan. I know you want to say something. I'll, I'll let you in a second. I, I'll two things. One as someone who is really high on Ugo Madi and been hyping him since, you know, early on that. I think he should get a slot, a shot at nickel. I think also got to be honest. I don't think he was that good in nickel when he played. So I think there's this like fan thing of like, oh my God, Ugo Amadi is like, you know, absolutely the answer. I don't think you can go into training camp assuming that. I don't think he's proven that by any stretch. So that's the that's the other side of it. Two, um, you know, people are talking about Dunbar inside versus Quill. I don't think there's any comparison. Quill for me is far more agile laterally than, than Dunbar is. I think Dunbar can play inside like Akeem King can play inside in limited situations, but I, he is not an interior corner. I think that's actually taking away from what he's best at. I'm not, I don't hate the idea of them looking at Quill inside. He, he may be okay. What I don't like, honestly, the thing I don't like at all is the idea of Trey Flowers playing over Amadi. Like, I, I that's the part for me that's the harder thing. I would like to see Amadi get a shot. um So, you know uh, that that's my point of view. Sorry, Nathan. I, I saw you wanted to jump in and you were shaking your head vigorously as I was speaking, which is pretty
3: typical. Quill, <laughs> Quill should. I mean, who knows? We'll see. I, I would anticipate Quill being a disaster in in the slot. Like,
1: why? Why would he be a disaster?
3: Because. So when he got drafted, if, 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 the, the talk around him was, if you look at his film, it's kind of crappy. Like He had a lot of problems, and it wasn't always very clean, and gave up big plays uh, because he played off a lot. But the idea was, he's super athletic, he's long, he's a perfect fit for the Carroll system. So they get him in here, they get him up, they have him play press the whole time, right? They put him in those situations, he should do a lot better, and sure enough, he did. You start playing him in the slot, and you're putting him in all the same situations that made him look like crap at UCF. And sure, he'll have, you know, progress more, and he'll have better coaching, yada yada. But like, it's just not his skill set, right? Um, I mean, we did the same thing last year when we were like, "Oh, is a King King going to be the nickelback? Will this work?" Right? And like, I mean, we barely even saw the dude against tight ends. So yeah, I mean, putting Quill in, in the slot is is kind of a nightmare uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it uh, at all <laughs> I mean a push comes to shove who knows what they'll do but it, it seems like a mistake Jeff were you jumping in on something or or
2: yeah I think I think what Nathan said is is very smart I think you're at that point you're taking away one of your best corners one of his best strengths you're still having Trey Flowers on the field so I don't know why that scenario makes you better. I'd much rather see them try to boost the nickel corner position. And really, when you watch the defense play last year, they were not a fast defense. And Ugo, he didn't get a lot of, like he looked terrible in that green Bay game, but he didn't get a lot of snaps last year. He had some good games when he did play, but there's something of, when he played, like he, he's just a playmaker. Like he had some, almost a special teams pro bowl season. He was so good at getting down the field. He's got speed. He's got quickness. If he can get better at like playing the ball, and route recognition. I would much rather see the the first scenario we mentioned because I don't know if that scenario you mentioned. I know it does kind of maybe helps you cover the inside a little better, but you are still got Trey Flowers in nickel scenarios covering outside receivers. I don't know if that's what you want. Right? That's, that's like my that.
1: biggest issue. That's my biggest issue. And, and I think the other things, the other options here for the Seahawks on the, the nickel spot, it looks very unlikely that they're going to sign a free agent to cover it. I mean – uh, Kel Roby Coleman signed for like a million bucks. <laughs> that guy would have been great uh, as a slot corner for the, the Seahawks. Um, so either, either the Seahawks just are not looking at that position in free agency, or they didn't like the guys available. So the other two options are that they're going to look at it in the draft. And there are some decent slot corners in the draft that they could look at. And I don't think it's the end of the world to start a rookie at at nickel corner. Um, you get a lot of, you get some safety help there. Um, we'll see. And the other is to do what they've done for a few years, which is wait deep into training camp and make a trade for somebody like on the end of someone else's roster. Like they did for Justin Coleman and and bring them in and think that that's going to work out. We saw it work out well with Justin Coleman. We saw it not work out at all with um, the guy that they got last year who I can't even remember the name of. I'm not talking about Jamar Taylor. I'm talking about the
3: guy Harry Nickerson.
1: There. Yeah, Nickerson, right? I don't even know if he's still on the roster. So, um,
3: No, he's been they cut him I they think cut before, him, like, before early the season after started. That
1: trade, right? Like yeah. So, it that that's a that's a risky gambit to play. Um, but l- let's just say for a second. Let's say for a second that the the secondary is what Nathan said it is. Dunbar, Amadi, Shaquille Griffin, Quandre Diggs, and Bradley McDougal. Give me a scale of one to 10 of where that secondary is, 10 being best, one being horrible, and how you compare it to the secondary that the Seahawks ran out last year. So give me a grade for last year, one to 10 and give me a grade. If that's the starting five, how would you uh, obviously haven't seen them play yet. This is a projection where, where would you grade that secondary? Ooh, I think you're on mute, Nathan, or couldn't hear you.
3: I'd give it a five, the, the one this year. Yeah. And the one last year is like a three.
1: <laughs> wow. Really, not much of a difference. You, you think Dunbar's not that much better than Flowers?
3: I mean, I think going from, like, straight bad to average is a pretty big jump, right? I mean, hmm. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, like, you still have McDougal out there who looked like a shell of himself last year and so could potentially be even worse. Or, I mean, even if he's just the same, he was not a very good player last year. And you still don't have any real answer at the nickel spot. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know that, that, that it's a a particularly great unit
0: Evan where are you probably one notch above Nathan I think they were probably a four last year and I the conservative side of me says go six but Quinton Dunbar is a huge upgrade like he's really he, he had a phenomenal year last year and he's entering at the P. Carroll system Pete Carroll is obviously a magician when it comes to defensive backs I I mean I don't think it's insane to say a seven for them how about you Jeff
2: I'll go. I'll go six and a half for what they are now. I think a big thing is just having Quandre Diggs on the field. He played what, like four games last year. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't have him playing, they had guys who would be in like the minus ten or hundred ranking. So the fact that they hopefully won't have much Tedrick and mo- much Delano Hill on the field, or Leno Hill, I think. I think until I get a better solution at nickel, that presents them prevents them from being a seven or an eight. And if you look at McDougal, he did play pretty terribly last year. He was injured, and he, he has a, a questionable knee. But when Diggs was on the field, he played a lot better. Because McDougal even said, or the coaches said, when he was playing with the younger guys, he was always worried about where they would line up, and he wasn't comfortable, and he was trying to do too much. So I think if you can get those guys on the field, so you go from about, I thought the unit last year was close to like a two. We had Tedrick, we had Trey. We had no nickel corner. That was close to a two. If you can go from a two to a six and a half, seven, that's a pretty big jump. Especially if they can draft nickel and get better there.
1: Yeah, I'm closer to where you are, Jeff. I like especially what you said around Diggs. I, I thought Diggs was a major difference maker last year, and I don't think that that's like some <laughs> great take. I'm just saying it, like reiterating that that he was and did not play in that many games, especially when he was fully healthy, and. The thing is, I, I would say that the Seahawks secondary last year was like a two or a three. Like mm-hmm. I thought, Shaquille Griffin was really good. Diggs was good for like really good for two or three games. Mm-hmm. Like, and the rest of it was shit. It was mm-hmm. really shit. Like, and, and so I think they were pretty bad last year. Um, I'd say three because Shaquille Griffin, you know, was borderline Pro Bowl. I know he made it, but that was after people got you know didn't didn't join uh and this year primarily on the digs and dunbar move i think it's like a seven I, I think that that's not unreasonable i think the the biggest question mark i would the other thing i'd say is McDougal. i agree with you guys he was a shell of himself but his best games came in the games that Diggs was healthy he played i so think
3: that this will be like a an upper quarter quarter of the league secondary i think it can be yeah can be, but what do you think it will be? Like,
1: well, so so those are different things. You're saying you're assuming that seven out of ten means that there can't be twelve other or 15 other teams that have eight out of tens or seven out of tens too. So like there can be secondaries that are really good. Um, and, and doesn't mean that you're in the top 25%.
3: Okay. So when I said five, I thought that meant like average, right? So if we're saying that seven can mean 15 other teams, then maybe I'm closer to a seven. Right.
1: If you're, I'm not thinking about it. uh, Yeah, I'm not thinking about it in terms of what percentile you are in the league. I'm talking about how talented and what's the quality of your of your secondary. So, um, you know, ten out of ten would have been the Legion of the Legion of Boom, right? Mm -hmm. Like that level. I don't think they're anywhere close to that. I mean, like six and a half, seven, I think is is a reasonable grade for for what this secondary could be.
0: I have a fun little trivia question for you guys while I have pro football focus up right now. So of all safeties with a minimum 20% uh, snap play in in 2019, what Seahawks safety had a better overall defensive grade than Quandre Diggs?
3: Marquise Blair. Blair.
0: Did you realize that though? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they they love love that by them all season. I didn't realize he was above digs though. This is kind of the thing
3: to watch out with PFF though. Like,
0: <laughs> no, and I, I, get I like it. them. I like I get them, it. but
3: I, they I, they rated Marquise Blair like his his Tampa game like eighty six or something like that.
0: And I did like, not that know was his. A game they gave up. <laughs> I did like not know his PFF grades points. were that high.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like something's off with that. The the thing that may help Blair is he's a playmaker, and they might just give like I mean. He caused that fumble in the. Well, they
0: they love his tackling. San game. What's that? <laughs> they, they love his tackling, and it shows through in the grades. Yeah, I mean, I think we all like
1: Blair, though. I mean, I think, I think we, all, I think Nathan and I both are very much aligned on the fact that he has downsides that maybe don't show up for you know a lot of people. I don't think uh, people realize how much he was blowing coverages and <laughs> and. Uh, that didn't always hurt uh, the team, but he was doing it a lot. Um, but man, the the guy makes plays, and that secondary
0: was he, like so bad at making plays. He's got to start over Bradley McDougall this year. He's got to. I get sending him he his would, rookie would year <laughs> would be a really good sign if he did. Like,
3: I feel like you said that like every week during the season yeah. last year too, though. <laughs>
2: <And> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I think the the COVID stuff hurts him because there's not going to be OTAs, there's not going to be mini camps. The playbook was his biggest issue last year, and install and stuff like that. A guy like McDougal who you can just slot in. Unfortunately, that kind of leads towards him.
1: Well, I mean that's the interesting thing. Like if Blair, if Blair plays well enough to beat out McDougal, let's say McDougal's the same, roughly the same player as he was last year. So it's not that McDougal just falls off even further. And Blair's just handed the job by default. Let's say Blair actually ups his level of performance and trust from the coaching staff. And he gets that role. How big of a deal would that be? Like, does that take this, does that take this to an, you know, upper quartile of the league, you know, secondary potentially?
3: Yeah, I think the bigger one is probably Ugo um, and just having that competent nickel play, uh, especially if you're saying like McDougal doesn't like fall off. Um, but no, I think that's huge. Yeah, I, I think between those two guys, between Blair and between Ugo, you know, then you can start talking about seven, right? For me, like seven or maybe even let's get crazy and say eight, right? If you could full season and Nino and Dunbar's more like what he was last year than what he had been the rest of his career, then sure, you can start to talk about like a seven or eight potential wise. So those two guys are huge um, just in what the upper limits of what this, this defense can be, their secondary can be.
1: Yeah, I I, I get you on Amadi because he's the bigger question mark. And but I feel like Blair, I think Blair is a potential Pro Bowl level safety. If he is smart enough, like if he's mastered the playbook well enough to be out there. Even last year, where he was making so many mistakes, he was doing things that nobody else in the field was doing. At, well,
0: one and other go, thing,
1: too. Yeah, go ahead, Blair go needs a to rant. There, you know, like you just cut, me, cut off my rant.
0: I'm just saying Blair should probably learn to be older, then he could start <laughs> over Tedrick and others. So, be it's older. Not an
3: age thing though, like I get your your rant about experience and age, but that's not what it, it was is with Blair. Like he just like even other players like that was the biggest red flag to me is when mcdougall came out and was like well yeah you know he's he's doing some good stuff but he's got to learn to play a book like you never hear, hear players say that about other players. i heard that the guy. i
1: heard that from multiple players yeah on off the record but like he like and evan your argument holds like almost no water like the Seahawks played Trey Flowers. They started him his rookie year. Like, a no, no experience even at cornerback. He played all sure. those games. Like, Shaquille started his rookie year. Like, they play young players in the secondary, especially. No, and, I, and, and I'm not- They played I'm not... Kendrick Thompson and Leno Hill. Like
0: I'm not disagreeing with you.
1: I, I mean, they I, played I... those guys over Blair. Do you realize what that means about Blair? Like, how much he must be screwing up for them to be playing those guys over Blair?
0: You assume it's all
1: the coaching staff. That's
0: a lot of faith that coaches are making the right decision there.
1: Uh, it's not a lot, to be
0: honest. I mean, so you, you, were, you were happy with them choosing to start Tedrick this year? No.
3: I mean, they have a blind spot for Tedrick, clearly. But, like, also, too, I mean.
1: <laughs> what, you, what you guys don't realize is that Tedrick Thompson made all sorts of plays in college. He was like, <laughs> Tedrick Thompson is a He's got a nose for the football, so oh you know you just haven't seen it yet. And KJ Wright, by the way, it's not just the coaches. KJ Wright, totally, been telling us like this guy's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna pop.
0: Somebody needs to like write a book with all those quotes. <laughs> I,
1: I hope somebody is. I hope it's his agent. I hope he's giving it to teams that are supposedly lining up to trade for him. So, <laughs> um. All right. uh, let's. We'll wrap up in the next uh, ten minutes or so. Uh, I know Evan always starts to get sketchy after about an hour, or so you know it, it's true, Evan. Don't try to play it off. Like I have I'm, I'm multiple
0: hours for of clear focus.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for <laughs> you to chat. Like I'm gone in five minutes,
0: <laughs> buddy. It's it's five thirty. It's not my bedtime. It's seven. The seven thirty is my bedtime. That's, okay. that's not seven thirty.
1: right, good to know. Hey, by the way, happy birthday to Alex, uh, or happy belated birthday to Alex. So.
0: Thank you. She's appreciative.
1: Um, so I guess, I mean, secondary-wise, we can kind of move on from there. But would we all agree that the secondary is meaningfully better than it was last year based on what we know right now? That's a, yes. I'm seeing nodding from everybody, including Nathan. So I think it's always important to call out when Nathan agrees that something's better
3: uh it's weird though right because like they haven't done a ton there right i mean uh, the big thing really is what they did mid-season last year with Diggs. i think is the big change in my opinion and then dunbar obviously offers a lot of stability and maybe upside
1: well and and here's the thing about it guys like I, i agree with you Nathan. i think Diggs is the big he's the linchpin for that secondary and we didn't give them a lot of credit or or a high probability that they were going to make a big move at corner i think a lot of us were thinking they might draft a corner to compete with trey maybe they would sign some like you know like washed up veteran corner to compete with him or something like that we had some hopes but i don't think any of us were really confident that they were going to bring in they went and brought in like a clear starting quality guy who all of us i think now would be surprised if trey's a starter right like I think that's where we are no Nathan you you would not be surprised if he was a starter
3: I would I I mean if I'm betting I'm betting on Dunbar but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey beats him out it wouldn't shock me or anything
1: Hmm. it would shock me
2: (laughs) that'd be I mean
3: it's not though because well I mean I think that Trey obviously would have to improve from his freshman I mean we were all sitting here at the same time last year counting Quill out right and then Quill had a big bounce back year I don't think Flowers has that kind of potential and upside, but like, could he like improve on his his rookie year to the point where he's as good or better than Dunbar? Um, Sure, I think so. Uh, The Dunbar thing, like, we'll see what's real or not. But he was an he had been a pretty average starting cornerback, which is valuable for a couple years, and then last year, if you look at his PFF grades, he had two really really good games. Um, and, like, the Giants game was, like, a legit, like, really ridiculous game. Like, he played his ass off. So, like, it's not like it's smoke and mirrors or anything. But it was two two games and then a lot of games that were exactly the same as he's always been. So, I don't know that, like, the second best corner in the league by PFF thing, like, I don't know how much you should be expecting that to kind of hold true.
1: Um. Yeah, I just – I don't think he has to be the greatest that he was last year in those best games for him to be better than Trey Flowers. I just, I think Trey Flowers is a reliability and, and I think he's got physical limitations that to me, I, I don't know how much better he can get. Um, I thought he showed some progress in terms of anticipation. I think he's a smart player. I think he clearly works hard. He's in the books. Like, so I think he can improve, but I don't think Trey Flowers at his best can be what Quentin Dunbar was at his best last year. Like I don't see it. Um, but you're right. I mean, who knows? Um, maybe he'll come in and just follow on in his face, but that, that would be surprising
3: to me. Um and this
2: is this is probably a good situation for Trey to be honest.
3: He mm-hmm.
2: he was they talk about competition and we can all roll their eyes about that, but he's gotta be pretty pissed off right now. Uh, that's a slap in the face that they trade for a guy at his position. To be, if you're looking at building a team, I think he's in, from a team building perspective, he's in the role that he should be in. He's a guy that if one of them gets hurt, you're pretty comfortable. If Dunbar, who's had injury issues, he only, he only played like 18 games the last two years. If he gets hurt, all of a sudden you have Trey Flowers coming in and not Akeem King or guys who, like when Akeem King played last year outside, it was a disaster and that was one of their biggest problems with their roster and I think this is a good situation for Trey. He can and really got Dunbar is going to be as motivated as hell. He's in a contract here. So I think you yeah, touched and-
3: something that's really important there though too when we talk about like what to what to expect from the secondary. Like yeah, Dunbar has had injury issues. That's part of why he came cheap. The same deal with Diggs, right? Mm-hmm. Diggs missing a lot of time here last year wasn't like crazy. It's why Detroit decided to move on from him. And so we yep. can sit here and think, oh, what if Blair beats out McDougal? Then what if Ugo takes a step forward? And then you've got Diggs and this and that. But, like, you also might have half the season where you don't have Diggs and Dunbar on the field together, right? That's, that's not crazy either.
2: Yeah, and that's what's so them about their defensive line if you're going back to that conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they talk about potential being a coach killer, right? And it's a reason when you're – for anyone who's a, a new or aspiring manager uh, – biggest mistake you can make is hire somebody who you think can grow into the role um, instead of somebody who's shown that they can actually do the role um you'll find a massive difference in in how those people perform uh the best is someone who actually can do the role and is motivated to do it really well like someone like dunbar um who's on the last year of their deal um you've now got three guys dunbar shaquille griffin and Diggs. if i'm right All in the last year of their deal? Is that correct? No, I think
0: Diggs has another year. He
1: has one more year after this?
0: Yeah, I believe. Evan would know. It's for sure a minimum of one year.
1: Okay. So between Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin, with what you know right now, what what is your bet on which is the one that the Seahawks will extend? And you only get to pick one. Which is the one you, you're betting on?
0: So this is between Diggs, Shaquille, and uh, Dunbar, right?
1: Yeah, let's let's just keep it to Diggs, uh, to uh, Shaquille, and Dunbar
0: if uh, oh, they're on okay. the last or Their deal. I think it's Shaquille pretty clearly. Pete Carroll praised him a lot towards the end of the year saying he was playing his best football i think shaquille lost a a little bit of weight last year right was Mm -hmm. playing lighter 10 15 pounds lighter or something like that um year was really encouraging and i and i think uh especially from like an emotional sort of like psychological mental personality type of guy like i i really am confident in not only him and his brother too I, i think they're just really good dudes and And I have no problem building around them. I I would have no problem giving Shaquille $15 million a year tomorrow. I really wouldn't. Hmm.
1: Nathan, Jeff, do you guys feel any differently? Anyone would vote for Mr. Dunbar?
3: They seem to really like to pay their guys, to to reward their guys and keep their guys. And so I think that makes Griffin the, the easy favorite. Okay.
2: Yep. I think Shaq's the obvious answer but I like to see them sign both the cap's going to go up a lot one of the only good parts about the Seahawks bad drafting is they don't really have a lot of guys to pay coming up <laughs> and so that allows you kind of to be a little more flexible in building their roster because really who do they have to pay coming up yeah Deacon and in a couple years lock it yeah
0: uh uh and- uh uh uh, uh. <laughs> Rashad Penny is coming up baby oh god get ready
2: and he, one thing I like about Dunbar,
1: was, he, I, he's already back to top speed. We saw it in his his rehab video, so uh, he's looking as agile as ever.
2: And yeah, just adding Dunbar for a second. One of the things that uh, Brian, you talked about how much you hated watching this defense last year. They seem almost like they got too nice. And on defense, you kind of need those type A, like people who know, like I'm going to kick your ass. If you remember the Stasiak's defense, they had a ton of those guys. Dunbar seems like one of those guys, and. I really welcome that on their defense because they don't really have like Bobby KJ, like they're not really those guys and you kind of need those type a, that's what made Richard Sherman so good. And he brought it right to San Francisco, but they just, they don't have those guys You kind of like Casey brought in the honey badger and Frank Clark. And I really think this defense misses that type of player.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh it's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out. Um, I think the the question I had uh, for you guys before we move on there is do you think they're done adding do you think that they're going to from a draft perspective do you think they're going to draft a corner as well or do you think they're going to they're going to wait and do their their trade deal
3: later on they better draft a corner i mean yeah. Yeah, they, they still got to throw something against the wall with nickel. Like, I know that they maybe have plans here, but, like, I, I don't see anything that they could have planned that would make that, like, that that they shouldn't try to walk away from this drop with a nickel to just add to it. Even if it's a 5th, 6th, 7th round guy, they, they got to find somebody. Yeah. They,
2: they, ha- they have to drop the corner. Um, this is one of the mistakes they keep getting themselves in when they're not planning that you're out. You got two guys on expiring contracts. This is how they end up in these situations in the draft with Collier and Penny and now a defensive end where they're like, we have to get this one position. These are the kind of things you have to be planning for. And take a guy, they're all against the wall, take an outside the corner too, because you got two guys who could potentially leave. And you don't want to have to fill that spot being like, oh, Trey, remember us? Uh, you're starting again. They need to plan for these scenarios. They should have planned for a Fetty last year. They should have planned. And they should have planned for the defensive end spot. And they keep ending up in these situations where they're getting desperate in the draft because of not planning enough.
1: All right, well, so let's move on. Let's move on from the secondary. And let's talk about the offensive line, which is the other area that we were really had concerns about. And I think the, uh, the upside that we will all, I think we should take a moment here, uh, raise your, your empty fictional glass. Jermaine Fetti is officially no longer a Seattle Seahawk. So, cheers to that. Uh,
0: how do you feel, Evan? Um, how do you feel? It's the best day of my life. When he signed with the Bears, it, I had more joy in that moment than my when my wife was walking down the wedding aisle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I I was happy the rest of the day. I I mean, oh, Alex. I, Alex, I hope you're not listening to this podcast. I love you dearly, but I have a deep, deep, deep-rooted hate for Germaine Um
3: Isn't it like I, your birthday too? That you're. Yeah,
0: it yeah, was yeah. her birthday yesterday. Oh, but well, Alex, that is clear. All but right. Alex is one of those oh, girls okay. that does like the whole birthday month thing. So yeah. it's like anything she wants. It's like it's my birthday month. It's infuriating. <laughs> but I think. Uh, I think so Jermaine glad.
1: Fetty does birthday months too.
0: Just birthday years. The big baby likes to be celebrated constantly. I, I think, yeah. I, I, I'm like, sh- I'm, we haven't seen the price he signed for, have we? I
1: haven't. Okay. Before I go to hear other people's point of view, Evan. Yeah. More excited that the Seahawks traded for Quentin Dunbar, or that they did not sign Jermaine Fettie.
0: Oh, did not say Jermaine ifetti. I could not handle. I think Josh Josh Cashman was the cable analyst. Was the person that posted that we endured sixty games of ifetti. I could not handle another (laughs) year or two or three. That 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 would be the death of me. I I think I even posted on Twitter that I would not watch another Seahawk game until he was gone. So good news is I'm gonna still be watching Seahawks games. (laughs) Yeah
1: yes well everyone knows the power of evan's promises so uh nathan
3: you know i i can be a deb i have a debbie downer take on this if you, oh, get i'm geez. sure you do
1: that's what i'm coming i'm ready for you, it let it out
3: uh so what did he get from the bears we don't, we don't know. know we don't know we don't know okay all right $20 I, million I- a year <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your bad take, money? Nathan? What's your bad take? I'm preparing myself. I didn't oh, say yeah, it was yeah. a bad take. I oh, just, it's going to be a bad take. I, I can said, tell. Be
3: downer take? I think that if, if a Fetty makes less on a one-year deal then Shell will make what they owe Shell.
1: Uh, maybe should you think have that that's the light, do you that. I'm not assuming that's the case.
0: Uh, that's highly unlikely. Brandon Shell made th- is going to make $3.4 million next year with the Seahawks. So...
3: I mean, if Fetty sat out there for longer than a shell, got a one one year deal, and they're talking about him maybe playing guard, like that dude, maybe getting two or three million. Like,
0: no, we'll no. See. We'll see. that we'll see. is no.
1: just. I mean, it, let's let's say we don't know what what if going to get. I think we can all agree he is not going to get three years, thirty million dollars, like George Fant got. No, no. Yes? No. right? We're all we're all agreed on that. So. Fant's getting paid that to play left tackle. He played basically right tackle a lot of last season as a eligible tight end, eligible lineman. Of the three of you, any of you that would rather be paying George Fant three years, $30 million to play right tackle, assume that it was possible. I I don't know that it is because I think he wanted to play. It wasn't. Let's just assume it was possible. Would any of you rather pay three years, $30 million for Georgia fan to play right tackle than what they're playing Brandon shell? I don't think so. No for you, Evan. How about you, Jeff or Nathan?
0: I'll say I, I would. why?
2: I don't know. Shell just seems like another effetti. It seems like a half measure. It doesn't do anything for me. Unless you draft, unless you just a hedge to get someone in the draft. Because apparently this right tackle class is pretty good, I would much rather them invest in a high upside player.
0: Okay, but it's complete wishful thinking that Fant's even going to be good.
2: At yeah, right but it was shall it's it not complete wishful think thinking.
0: Mm, I don't think we saw it is, enough. It's
2: Definitely wishful thinking. There's I don't think we saw.
0: I don't think we saw enough from Fant to say he's going to be like an average right tackle. Can we?
2: No,
1: I didn't absolutely. say that. I said, I said, is I mean what are the chances that Fant will be better at right tackle than a Fetty was at right tackle? Oh, I think pretty significant. I think the chances are pretty good. hundred <laughs> percent, Um
0: hundred percent chance.
1: So, so like, I don't believe to the point, I can't remember who made it on the pod just a few minutes ago. I think it may be Jeff. I'm not convinced that shell is any better than a Fetty. The only thing that I think I'm convinced that shell has that a Fetty doesn't is that he's not Jermaine a like to being totally honest, like, no, at least we don't know. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll have fewer penalties and be the same mediocre to below average right tackle. That would be something. Maybe he allows somebody else to compete for that position and emerge, like maybe. Um, so I don't know, like, uh, I, so is, anyone, is anyone certain, like, and certain, I'm going to say, like 80% chance or better that the Seahawks are better at right tackle now than they were last year. Anybody that confident that we've improved the right tackle spot?
2: They pretty much got the same player just without the colonies.
1: So yeah. You, you think that they're the same as they were last year, most likely.
2: A similar player and less mental errors.
1: I would, I, I'm going to go out there and say, guys, I think there is probably a bigger chance as of right now that the Seahawks will be worse at that position compared to last year than than better
3: I, I don't think so I I think that Shell really does I, I think the Effetti without penalty thing is very real and and Shell might even just be a little bit better than Effetti Um, but wiping out a a chunk of those penalties is going to be a big deal for them and then I think if you look at it from the perspective of them adding an early if they if they do go right tackle early um, if that's a first round pick for them I think that they're in a way better situation at that point I mean obviously the roster today I think it's close to a wash I don't think there's a big chance that they get much worse though
1: yeah I I'm worried about Shell.
3: Um, this
1: is my biggest by far my biggest criticism of their offseason so far. Um, we've talked a lot about the defensive line and things that I would personally would have liked to see them do differently. At least I believe that there's a chance that they have a plan there that could still work out. I think the right tackle plan is completely crap. Um, you know, don't know if they could have gotten Bulaga. Seems very clear that they could not have gotten Conklin. He wanted to play in Cleveland, he wanted to play close to home. So everyone's saying that they should have signed him. I don't think that was an option. Fant, it sounds like was not an option. He wanted to play left tackle, not right tackle. Doesn't know that, don't know. So, like maybe there just weren't that many options to consider. Maybe Bulago wasn't even an option. If he was, guys, if he was, even at three million a year more than what he got paid, massive, massive screw up by the team. Huge, huge screw up by the team. Um, so I, I'm I'm not comfortable with draft or right tackle rookie and that with this team's you – know, do I want another Justin Britt or Jermaine Ifedi at right tackle as a rookie and think that we're in any better shape? No. like, I, and, and show me what other tackle they've drafted in the first round beside Russell Okung in 2010 in the top ten of the draft that we should feel good about.
2: I will say this, though. All those picks were in the Tom Cable era. Since Solari has come, their draft picks have been Jamarco Jones, who's come in and looks like he can play right away, and Haynes. And we didn't see much of either of them, but I think there's a pretty big difference That's in terms point. of the kind of players they got in this regime. They have Steve Hutchinson now who's kind of evaluating their own line. We'll see what happens. But a lot of the guys they drafted under the cable era were projects. And they wanted those athletic guys who, who they thought they can mold into players. We'll see what happens. I'm not saying that they fixed this, but this could be different.
1: Yeah, get, get another uh, Christian Cic- Cicoli, uh yeah. in the house. So um, let's move on from right tackle for a second. Cause the other thing that's really interesting here is what they're going to do at center and what they're going to do in the interior line. So they also signed Chance Warmack. And I'm not gonna make any stupid jokes about them taking a chance. Please stop making those jokes. They they are not original or funny. Um, sorry to be <laughs> that guy, but it's like, I've got an entire mentions like of people like, they took a chance. Oh my God. Um, we're, we're better than that fans, uh, Seahawks fans. So uh, they got Chance Warmack, They got BJ Finney. Um, they have Phil Haynes, they have uh uh Jamarco Jones, they have DJ Fluker. Uh there's rumors that they're gonna re-sign Jordan Simmons, who was good um when he was healthy. He's just been healthy for about five minutes um in the last five years. Let's start with center right now. Who do you each believe is the starting center for the Seahawks week one of the regular season?
0: Is this the, is, is the question who is or, or who will be, or who should be, who will be, I think it's Justin bright. I don't think they're cutting bright.
3: Do they have to cut him to get uh clowning back?
0: Uh, no, because I think, so they're going to trade Tedrick Thompson, which will net a couple million, and they're I assume trade him, they'll cut him. Or, but it's the same. It's the same, same. cap okay. effect. Okay. Um, let's, be, let's be realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's,
2: yeah. No one's trading that okay.
0: But like, it just cutting uh, Ed Dixon and uh, Tedrick, Tedrick uh, gives you that amount. So I, I don't. I don't think so.
3: But what if they want to eat Griffin too?
0: Yeah, a bigger move has to be made, or a restructure. You're sticking with you're sticking with Brit. Okay. That's not my preference. I, I no, just that, think- that's your belief. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're allowed to have your beliefs. I'll allow it. Um, Jeff, how about you? Who, who do you think is the week one starting center for the Seahawks?
2: I'm going to go optimistic here. I'm, I'm going to go with Finney. Um, I just think all the moves they have made on the interior seems to mean that there's just no reason to have Justin Burr anymore. They brought back Hunt. They have Posick. There's no real reason to – be paying two centers that much money unless they really envision him as a left guard. But I think Nathan did his film. and He ap- didn't appear close to as good as he was at guard and then he is at center. So I think they're just waiting for that defensive line group. It might be a trade they're waiting on, but I think they're waiting. I think he's the lever to pull in one of these moves. So Nathan,
1: I mean, let's just recount some of the options that we see potentially like potentials for that position. Justin Britt starter last year, you know, maybe, maybe odds on favorite in some people's perspective. You've got little Joey Hunt, uh, who played the position uh, a lot last year. You've got Ethan Posick, who I think a lot of people forget. Jeff just mentioned him. He was a center in college. He played all five line positions. Um, <laughs> interestingly... Tiny, like 5% chance, outside chance, he could compete for the right tackle spot. Um, I saw him play tackle, right tackle, in his rookie year in training camp, and he looked way better than week. I will offer that. Um, but, okay, Ethan Posick. Uh, you've got Phil Haynes, who actually started cross training at center last year. Um, and you've got B.J. Finney. Those are the ones I, I could think of off the top of my head.
3: Um, was was the Haynes thing any more than like as an emergency? Because like they were real slim at that point, right? They were really slim. Uh, yeah. I don't know that Haynes is uh, I don't know that Haynes has any future at center. I would be surprised. Hmm. Interesting. I think I'm that not was a,
1: sure. a that I'm was an sure. oh
3: crap moment for them, but
1: yeah. Was- I mean, if Jamarco Jones wins the left guard spot and Fluker is the right guard, um or Finney ends up winning a guard spot for some reason, and and whatever, and they want to get Haynes in the lineup. Uh, not the end of the realm of possibilities, but but tell me, so with those guys, who do you who do you expect week one to be the starting
3: center? I I want to say Finney really bad, not not because of any real malice towards Britt. I mean he's overpaid, um, and he's not particularly good but he's he's not terrible either I mean he's not some he's not some massive not problem offended. that this team has right yeah he's not a he's not a black hole or anything but I, I just think that if Brit is still on the team then Britt will be the starter and so I'm hoping that because of other moves that bring in much better players they will have to move on from Brit and that means Finney is the starter so I'm gonna I'm gonna go optimism on that one and just hope that it's Finney just because of what it means for the rest of the team
1: yeah, I'm I'm like I'm fairly confident. I'd say 70 to 75% confident that Finney's the center and that's what they signed him for. Uh, I I just cannot imagine the Seahawks not not needing to spend enough money to have to get rid of Brit. The only thing that could change is maybe they restructure Brit um, and they get enough from that to to do it, or they restructure or move, you know, convert some other stuff. But I'm seeing, you know, some beat writers don't want to out anybody, but like saying, well, it's it's odd that Finney's only listed as a center on the Seahawks roster. Like, I expect him to play left guard instead of Mike Epati. I don't expect that. I don't expect that. I think they bring it, brought him in to play center. And and I'm excited about that. I think, I think that could be a meaningful improvement to the offensive line. Um, I mean, Nathan, you've watched him a little bit. <laughs> Do you think he can be a better center than Justin Britt?
3: He can be a better path protector for sure. Um, really light feet, really quick feet. Um, the thing with him, and and this is why I don't think he really has. I, I would just I would would be shocked if Seattle saw him as a guard, like especially on any kind of a long term basis. It's not impossible. The Steelers played him there; he was okay, but he just does not have any kind of pop or strength or push or any. Thing like that um to me he's a very pure center um who is smart and instinctive and light enough on his feet to get where he needs to be and stay in front of people but if you're asking him to do anything more than stay in front of somebody i think you're going to have problems and that's just not what seattle wants from their guards typically um i mean they'll play jones out there but even jones has a lot is able to move guys a lot better than finney but um yeah i mean just just from past a path pro perspective um i think he can have some trouble with guys that just get into him and and we'll see him in russ's lap a few times um for sure but um he's gonna be in front of guys uh all the time
1: um so two more guys i want to talk about before we we let you guys go um one is is chance warmack um i think he's signed for veteran minimum probably no guaranteed money you know hasn't played for uh a year or more, um, trying to get healthy, give me, let's, let's say for a second, somehow he has returned to his, the form he was in when he was with Tennessee, the first couple of years when he was healthier and starting, you have your own point of view on what that was. Um, do you think this guy could be a starting guard for the Seahawks this year? Is that, is that his, is that his upside potential or do you guys all see him as purely you know camp body rotational backup kind of player anyone see him as a potential contender for a starting spot
0: i mean maybe potentially uh a backup you know the contract structure definitely indicates him being just a train uh a camp body you know training camp body he has a roster bonus 25k um, I believe it was like August 15th, which is right in the middle of training camp. I, knew, I would need to go back and look at his contract once more, but um, you know, he qualifies. One thing to mention on him is he qualifies for the veteran. What's it, what's it called? Veteran salary, minimum veteran salary benefit. It's a new thing in the CBA where if they have a certain number of years, they count less against the cap. He's, his deal's like 1.2 million, but he only counts like 750 K against the cap. So, Uh, I, I think my point is the contract indicates a camp body, but if he outplays that great and, uh, that's good news.
1: Yeah. I'll just offer, I'm, I'm intrigued by the signing. I think, I think he was a above average starting guard his first couple of years. He was a well below average starting guard after that. Um, don't know like that. He really is going to have a real chance to recover, but I think he's an interesting player. Um, Uh interested that they they added him. I still think he's got really long odds in terms of Phil Haynes and Jamarco Jones and DJ Fluker. Um there's some guys ahead of him in that competition, but I was I was happy to see them add him to the roster into the competition. Um It takes a
3: lot. sorry, what's
1: that? do you want to say something?
3: I was just gonna say it takes a lot for a guard to go in the top ten in the draft uh <laughs> even though that turned out to just be a uh, atrocious draft but still just to, to take the shot um like he's he's uh he was an impressive college player um so yeah take a shot see who knows
1: all right last take a guy chance we'll talk about
3: um before we sorry what'd you say take take a chance on him <laughs> oh,
1: no. in the show i'm no, done
0: nathan i thought we got through it without uh. it
1: but I'm going to come over and shave no into your beard, (laughs) uh, into your, your handlebar. Um, so last guy, uh, the Seahawks signed Philip Dorsett, uh, a receiver, uh, scale of one to 10, 10 being super excited, like ran around the block. Um, one being like, don't care at all. Barely even paid attention. Give me all your ratings on how excited you were about Philip Dorsett. Evan go.
0: Scale of one to 10, 10 being super happy and excited. I'm, I was probably like a four or five. I think it's a good death signing. Uh, you know, probably going to cool. be a couple of milli. He's a fast dude. See, so yeah, you know, Russell Wilson has the best deep ball in the NFL. I like it, Nathan.
3: Uh, 10. Uh, oh, no. yeah, really. Uh- I mean, so I, I somebody will go pull the receipts on this one because I actually said that when they signed him, like, I think best case scenario is that he just ends up not making the team. Um, because that means that Turner and Ursula and some of these guys have taken a step forward and maybe they draft somebody. Um, but uh, again, guy is super talented, crazy fast, first round pick. Um, he's like a couple of years ago, I wanted them to sign um, John Brown, um, just kind of find like a professional receiver who kind of fits Russ's skill set. And Phil Dorsett has not done maybe in his entire career what John Brown has done in a couple of single seasons. So like totally different players. Um, but you know, if you just take the move for what it is, a depth, a depth guy, a wide receiver five or whatever. Like, is there the potential that he could have some kind of a big breakout with a, a Brashad Perriman type year with Russ in this system? Yeah, absolutely, and so cool. I'm excited. It's fun. I liked him a lot when he was coming out. Draft priors never die.
2: Um, Jeff, well, I can't match the ten, but I'll go six. And Philip Dorsett is a guy who, as Nathan said, he's super fast. They now have three receivers that are going to be like block it, Metcalf. They can all run, and now they got Olson and Disley to kind of cover the seams. So he, from a scheme pit fit he's a really good sign because his best skill is getting down the field. And if you remember what Paul Richardson, how he won, that's kind of like a Paul Richardson light, you could have got for a very cheap price. And I thought Jake Heaps on Twitter made a really good point because to me, when they signed Dorsett, my first worry, it was, I hope this doesn't prevent them from drafting a receiver high. And that was my first, and that's my biggest fear of them missing on this draft class because, but Heaps said that and I mentioned this earlier with, um, when we talked about Blairs, there might not be an OTA period and there might not be minicamp, probably won't be for both of them. So having a guy who you can slot in there and not have to have a big learning curve is a big advantage for them right now. And he said, Russ, Russ was pretty proactive in recruiting him. So he's, he's a guy who's like been around, he's made some big plays for new England. You can kind of throw him into big spots and don't use him as like a Guy who wins with route running, just get him down the field, open up things for anyone else. He, he could be a pretty decent ad for this team. Like he's not the most exciting player in the world because he's kind of been a first round bust. But the more I think about it, the more I like that move. Actually, and it's not a move I even thought when I made our list for us. I didn't even put him on there. So
1: yeah, he's it was it was like five five and a half for me. Um, I I personally have been a Taylor Gabriel fan I, th- I think he's the kind of guy that would be a nice addition big play guy he, I think he's actually made a lot more plays in his career than Philip Dorsett has and he's a guy that can play slot and take a short pass and, and go deep with it um you know break break some tackles and and uh, just run by people but Dorsett has some of that in his game I mean he's kind of a running back um as a receiver and has really um top end speed and look the Seahawks did not have a reliable third receiver last year. They just didn't have that guy that was the clear third receiver. They, they had a lot of guys that cycled through it. Dorsett could be that guy. So um, that's not nothing <laughs> like, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him a total bust. I mean, a total bust wouldn't be, you know, starting receiver for a number of different teams or, or getting starting reps. So um, I think it has potential to be a decent signing for that price. So, so I liked it. Um definitely not a 10 for me but i i love that nathan uh at least i, had, uh,
3: I just went and checked i had him as a zero on the spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> i'm what choosing, did i have him as i'm choosing to lean into it though i mean my thing though is and i think this is probably what i was thinking at the time with giving him a zero is I, I just don't want them to not take a receiver in this class yeah. yeah and so hopefully that doesn't be the deal but who knows yeah
1: all right fellas um i think we've we've uh, gone uh gone through most of the moves, if not all of the moves. um, And I think we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, so to speak. Uh, Not surprising, shouldn't be surprising that John Schneider and the Seahawks, uh, just like the draft, are not making their big waves in the first day or the first week, but they're kind of into the fourth, fifth, sixth round of free agency at this point. And that's where Schneider starts to get more aggressive and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, definitely a big question mark about what's going to go on with Clowney and the defensive line. That is the biggest question left on this roster. I'm hoping that they don't sign another tight end. Um, don't know how many more tight ends that they can have on this roster. But uh, all right. Thank you to everyone who's dialed in. I hope everyone's take taking care of themselves, staying inside as much as you can. And, um, you know, we will try to do these as often as we can because um, uh, we all have. <laughs> Time on our hands, so to speak. So, uh, if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, um, add a comment, um, just share the podcast with people, um, tell them about it. People are looking for stuff to do. This is the place to do it. Uh, and uh, also, if you can, join up at patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com slash uh Great to have folks on there um, as we get ramped up for the next season. And uh, With that, uh, we'll say uh, go Hawks and have a wonderful Sunday evening. Take care, everybody.